Welcome to the Mark and Lila Love Broadway Podcast. I'm Mark. I've been a fan of musical theater since I was a little kid. Seen shows on Broadway, listening to original cast recordings on cassette, and performing in community theater. I'm Lila, and I love musical theater, but I'm a newbie. The theater bug bit me late in life, but boy, did it bite me. So grab your favorite beverage, get comfy, and let's talk Broadway. Hey, Max. Hey, Max. Hey, y'all. How's it going? Real good. Your hair looks good under the cap. Thank you. How can you tell? (laughs) Thank you. Michael did a good job. Um, I'm going to rep my favorite baseball team today. So nice. All right, guys. Our guest today is Max J. Swarner. And if you've seen any type of theater in the DFW area, most likely that you have seen him in something. He has done a plethora of uh, theater in the DFW Metroplex. Max, thank you so much for coming in today and uh, speaking with us. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be with you guys. All right, absolutely. Thank you. All right. So let's just get into it. So we've done our research, we've been doing our digging, and uh, you've been acting since you were four years old. That's the first time that you're on stage. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, what was the show and how did this come about? Tell us a little bit about oh my gosh. your background. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so first off, um, I was born and raised here in Dallas. Um, in fact, my parents, um, they live on the same street uh, that I grew up on. They live in the Lakewood area uh, within walking distance of uh, White Rock Lake. So really great area to grow up in. Um, and from a young age, um, my parents noticed that I was like singing back melodies to them, like precisely um, as young as like two years old. And I should preface both of my parents are musicians um my they both are incredible musicians my mom is a singer my dad is an incredible piano player um and so I grew up in a musical home Mm -hmm. um and so um they decided to throw me in a theater class starting when I was four years old uh and I think I'm pretty sure it was Aladdin and it was at a theater that doesn't exist anymore, but I'm going to give them a shout out anyways. Um, it was called Capers for Kids. Um, it, was an, it was an old children's theater company that used to be around. Um, and um, so I did my very first show there um, when I was Where four. was it, Max? Where I don't remember. You know what? I don't remember like what part of town it was in. I want to say it was in North Dallas area. Um, but it was in the city of Dallas. I just don't remember what part of Dallas it was in. Um, but I did, I did my first show with them. Um, and my parents say I did not like it when I first did it. Um, and so, um, but I include it because I, 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 I only like, there was only maybe two or three years between that. And then when I formally like really started doing stuff back to back and, decided that I liked it. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, that's where I got, that's where I got my very first start. So. Okay, great. And when you did uh, start doing things back to back, how old were you? And uh, was there a particular theater that you worked with? Yeah. So um, I was, I guess I was six. Um, and no, uh, my, my, the church that I grew up at, had a wonderful uh, performing arts program. And so my very first show with at the start of all of this for me, um, they had written an original musical version of It's a Wonderful Life that played at the Majestic Theater, downtown Dallas for five Christmases in a row. Um, And I was a part of it for all those five Christmases. Um, And, so that was like my my very first time on like a big stage like that. Oh, um, cool. My first leading role, I was nine, and I played uh, Winthrop in a production of The Music Man. Oh, that's at, awesome! Uh, at the Kalita Humphreys Theater, believe it or not. Oh, um, wow. And so, um, yeah. So I've been doing this a, a long, long time, and yeah. Um, there's yeah. a there's a common thread in the homework that we did of you performing at Kalita Humphreys Theater. And yeah, we'll, we'll get into that more. But Absolutely. there's a, a very common yeah. thread there. Now, you were also, how old were you when you were in Casper? 
with Cheetah Rivera. I was, um, I was 11. Yes. Okay. I was 11 years old. Um, yeah, what was that, I like? did, that was, uh, that was one of those, um, once in a lifetime deals, you know, um, this was a, yes, a musical adaptation of Casper the Friendly Ghost. It did um, a four city tour. Uh, it was a, at the time it was a pre-Broadway tryout. It obviously did not go on to Broadway from there. Um, but um, Cheetah Rivera was the lead in it. And um, my parents tried to tell me as a little 11, 10 year old, 11 year old kid, what a big deal that was. <laughs> um, and I, I grasped it as much as I could mm -hmm. at that age. Um, but it was, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable to be on stage with someone of her caliber. I, I just, it was such a magical thing. And she was as wonderful as you would hope that she would be. She yeah. was just incredible. And she actually took time. She would swing by the kids' room every night and say hi to us. And um, I remember uh, she called me over to her table at the cast party, which was at, are y'all local, by the way? Are y'all like? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was at the old Planet Hollywood that used to be in the West End downtown. Yeah. 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 Um, the cast party was there and, uh, I remember her, uh, calling me over to her table and she like patted the chair, come sit next to her and all of her, you know, she had a lot of friends in from New York, but she was like introducing me to people and stuff like that. And I just remember thinking like, I cannot believe I'm here right now yeah. with, with Cheetah. Yeah. Um, and we've actually kept in touch over the years and, uh, oh, she, wow, that's great. Yeah, oh. yeah. She is, she is just, she's incredible. But uh, that was at uh, Dallas Summer Musical. So that, that was at the music hall. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. And so in <laughs> fact, if you go downstairs, if you go downstairs by the downstairs bathrooms, yeah. they have um, playbills from all yeah. their, yeah. And you'll see the Casper playbill on the wall. In oh. the, that was the, what, 2001, 2002 okay. seasons. Yeah. So. Next time we go, we'll have to check that okay. out. Yeah, Absolutely. that is so, Please that's do. really cool. Yeah. She was here in, it was either March or June. Um, and she, she was at the Eisenman. Did you go? I did not go. I, I had a conflict. I think um, I think I was out of town when she was here. Um, but I always try to, I try my best to connect with her whenever she comes sure. through town. I just, I, she's she's the coolest person. She, really she, she sounds like very genuine. Um, I know she was on Stars in the House a lot during... Uh, um during quarantine which i yeah. was like got stars in the house got me through quarantine like oh, every yeah. day you know oh yeah you could just escape and she was on it a lot uh, i think with her daughter and then mm -hmm. i've heard a lot of uh interviews like with people like who are in the rank and other shows with her and just said that she is just a genuine amazing lady and was never a diva really cared about her co-stars and it was never about the fame it was always just about the love of the art and you yes. know and I she resonate with that so much. She, it really that. is. You would think that someone of her caliber, I mean, she has every right to have an ego, but she does not. She is For one, sure. she is one of the company. And that yeah. is just, it was, it was the most special thing in the world to work with someone like that. And mm -hmm. at such a young age and to have that behavior modeled to me from someone mm -hmm. of her caliber, just incredible. That's amazing. Absolutely. You said, it, you said it toured, it was four cities. It was four cities. It started did out. You, in, did I'm you sorry. go to all four? Were you on the tour for all four cities? I was only in the Dallas stop. Oh, okay. okay. Stop. It started out at the uh, Pittsburgh Civic Light Opera. Mm -hmm. And it went, I think from there to maybe St. Louis, Dallas. And I want to say Atlanta. I, I don't remember. But anyways, I was just in the Dallas stop. That's an incredible um, yeah. experience to be 10 or 11 and to, that's really, really incredible. It was, it was, it was incredible. I, I still okay. like, I have my, I wish I had, I should have pulled my playbill out. Yeah. It's, it's in a box somewhere, but I have my signed playbill from her. And I, I, so cool. I look at that every now and then. And I just think, oh my gosh, you know? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So they basically recruited kids from each location. Yeah. Yeah, kind of to like fill out the, yep, to fill out yeah, the okay. ensemble and yeah. uh, to to play featured roles and things like that. And so that's so cool. I love yeah, that. It was amazing. 
So you've played, you know, we looked at your resume, you played some of the most amazing leading men roles, you know, known to man Pippin, Harold Hill, Chaplin, just to name a few. Yeah. What has there been a, been a favorite of yours? They're all, I mean, they're all my favorite. The show I'm working on at the time is always my favorite. I, but, sure. I, um, I get that, absolutely. Yeah, but it, uh, in terms of like recent work, I mean, of course, Chaplin was was incredible. Um, playing um, Charlie Price in Kinky Boots a year mm -hmm. ago was incredible. Um, Harold Hill was a bucket list role because I played Winthrop when I was nine. And so mm -hmm. that was, Harold Full Hill circle. was always like a bucket list role. Sure. Um, I could I could do all of uh, you got trouble from memory when I was like nine years old, right? Because I just thought <laughs> I was the coolest thing in the world, and uh, so getting to getting to do that as Harold was uh, it was it was a pinch yourself moment for me. It was very very that's, special. That's awesome. Yeah. Are there any um, bucket list roles that you have right now that you haven't yet been able to play? So I'll tell you, um, going back to my my start. Um, the thing that got me back into it after being like, I don't want to do this when I was four years old. The thing that got me back into it was my parents took me to see um, Phantom of the Opera when mm -hmm. it came through um, in the Fort, Worth, the, right? Fort Worth. The Bass Hall had just opened. It was like their very first season and Phantom came through and they took me to see it there. And so that is my bucket list role. It will always be my bucket list role. And, but that night, that seeing that production, um, it changed my life. It changed my entire life. And um, I knew that that is what I had to do. I just, you know, one of those things. And um, yeah, so that is my like ultimate, you know, bucket list thing. Okay. And but, so, so that's the show for you, basically. That is the show. That got you in the theater and really kind of drove that desire. It is. It is. I mean, if you've seen it and, you know, everybody has their opinions about it. Um, but for me, um, everybody has that show that brought them into loving mm -hmm. the theater. And for me, it's Phantom of the Opera. Mm -hmm. And you know, as a six-year-old kid going into a show like that, the way that that show starts, I mean, it's like, it's seared into my brain and I, I have seen it. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen it all over the country. Sure. And um, it, it never, I'm, I'm always six years old. Every time I go and see that show again, I am taken yeah. right back to that, that moment. And it's just, so that that was the show that where I got bit by the bug. Yeah, yeah, I get that. For me, it was I was eight years old. I was in the front row at the Alvin Theater seeing Annie oh with Allison Smith as Annie. You know, oh so and it's yeah. one of those shows that I still listen to um, the cast recording. I, I see yes. it every time it comes either locally or on a tour. Sometimes I've traveled to see it. It's it's so I get it. Like your Phantom and my Annie are. I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. And I've performed as well. Obviously not to the level as yourself, Max. But yeah, I you know I did performing for a long time. But yeah, so I get that absolutely. Yeah. But I have a question about Phantom because yeah. you performing in Phantom. Yes. Because you had the role of Phantom in Phantom. Uh, um, I hope I'm pronouncing this right. A Yeston Lottie musical. Uh, yes, and Cobbett. Yeah, and yes. so weren't weren't you? So you performed in that, right? Yes, yes. So I did a, I did a production of um, the musical that's just called Phantom, written by Maury Yeston, mm -hmm. um, and I did it at a theater in Connecticut, um, right. yeah. six years six years ago, um, and I I played the title role in that, and so I got to live out some of my phantom dreams in in that uh, production and. What was so cool and so special about it was that Maury Estin came to see the show. Um, <laughs> and for people who may not know his work, he's a multiple Tony Award winner. He wrote Titanic. He wrote Nine, Grand Hotel, um, some really incredible pieces. And um, anyways, he came to see our production. And um, that was 
I mean, it was a profound um, thing. And I'm just so thankful that the powers that be did not tell me he was there until after the performance was over. <laughs> oh yeah, he would have freaked out. <laughs> oh my gosh. As soon as, as soon as I came off stage, they told me he was there. And I like, I, I was totally speechless. Mm -hmm. Like, no, oh, I had that. just Absolutely. done just done the role for the composer. It's like crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I did get to live out some of my phantom dreams with that. And that, yeah, that version is beautiful. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it is a I've, stunning. I've never piece. seen it. The score is phenomenal, but I've score. never, it's rarely done here. I think I want to say Artisan did it maybe a few mm -hmm. years back, but I didn't get an opportunity to go see it. But yeah, I definitely, we need to go see it if it ever comes. Mm -hmm. it's gorgeous. Yeah. It is yeah. gorgeous and so different from Weber, but it, it, it's mm. its own, it's its own thing. And it's, uh, it, so yes, um, that was a, that was an incredible experience. And that was my first show in uh, the New York area. So it was also important for me in that way too. Sure. And that was at, cool. was at the Sharon Playhouse? That was at the a theater called the Downtown Cabaret Theater, which is in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Oh, okay. Um, and um, yeah, just like a, like an hour's train ride from, uh, from New York. And just, it was, it was amazing. Amazing. Great. And that was six years ago, you said? Yeah, it was 2017. So yeah, I guess okay. it's been six, which yeah. is crazy. Uh, That's but, great. Yeah, six years ago. So that's wonderful. But, yeah. And you brought up the Sharon Theater yeah. um, because we, we know you've done a lot of work there as well. Yeah, yeah. Sharon Playhouse is, is a, a very, very special place um, in my heart. Um, yeah, right after um, Phantom, you know, when you do one of the great things about doing shows is you make connections and you meet mm -hmm. lots of people. And um so I met and got to know a lot of wonderful people in the Connecticut uh, theater scene. And um, somebody referred me. They were looking for a replacement. Um, they had lost their leading man in a production of uh, Pirates of Penzance. Um, and somebody gave him my name and uh, they called me and the rest is history. And so I did Pirates there. And then the following summer, I did... Um, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat there. Um, but the most special thing I did with, with them um, was my very first show back after the pandemic, which I know we will probably talk about at some point. Um, but my very first gig back after everything went down was in October of 2021. And I was asked to be a special guest singer for a concert honoring a man named Jonathan Tunick, who is one of the 20 something EGOT winners we have. He is an EGOT winner, um, but he is most well known for um, orchestrating all of Stephen Sondheim's musicals, mm -hmm. um, starting with Company onward. So all the big stuff, Sweeney into the woods. He did all of the orchestrations for that. Well, he lives in Sharon. And the theater decided to honor him. The theater, the Sharon Playhouse gives away an honorary award each year to someone that lives in the area who has had a huge impact in the musical theater world. Before Jonathan Tunick, Glenn Close, they gave it to Glenn Close um, for her contributions to the musical theater over the years. And so anyways, Tunick was the, uh, was the uh, recipient this year, that year. and. Um, so I, I flew up there. I was up there for a week and a half prepping for the concert and everything. And um, he was there every day. He was involved in the uh, rehearsal process. We did it with a 30 piece orchestra, which was incredible. Um, and along with me, I was on stage, little old me on stage with some like huge Broadway names, huge Broadway names, Debbie Gravitt, uh, Karen Mason, uh, Meg Bussert, Judy McLean, like some huge Broadway names. And then there's me. <laughs> and, uh, um, but, uh, so the first, the first act of the concert was all of Jonathan Tunick's contributions to other people's musicals. So Maury Yeston, he also does all of Yeston's stuff. So Phantom was in there, Titanic was in there, all that stuff. But the second act was all of Sondheim, all of mm -hmm. his Sondheim stuff. And 
we had heard rumblings that Sondheim might show up at this concert. And um, I refused to let myself think about it because even just thinking about it was like crippling fear, right? Well, absolutely. <laughs> um, and so um, anyways, it's the night of the show. We're all, I'm in the wings because I'm myself and two other guys, we opened to the night uh, with this beautiful trio piece from Titanic. It was the opening number of the concert. The artistic director comes out to welcome everyone to uh, the concert, welcoming back to reopening the theater after COVID, huge deal. By the way, we have a special guest in the audience tonight. Oh, no. oh, Ladies and gentlemen, Stephen Sondheim. Oh my gosh. Of course, whole theater, standing ovation. This was a totally sold out event. Um, we're standing in the wings. I'm losing my mind, right? <laughs> Literally losing my mind. I cannot, it's, it's one of those things that you just can't, I, I, I still can't even fathom that this happened. Um, but anyways, um, that night I performed for Stephen Sondheim and Jonathan Tunick and a one, a bunch of wonderful luminaries who were in for this event. Maltby and Shire were there. Um, some like really, really big, big people were there. Um, and so after the show and I actually pulled this out cause I thought I would show it. Um, I actually have my picture here with Stephen Sondheim in the oh. middle and Jonathan Tunick on the, uh, on the far side. That's awesome. Wow. Um, I was going to ask if you got a selfie, but obviously oh, he did. Yes. That's so uh, cool. Yes, he, he stayed and took pictures. And you can even see he has his mask on um, down uh, around his chin. Sure, um, sure. But um, what's so amazing about this photo is that Stephen Sondheim died six weeks after this concert. Mm. Wow. And so it was... It was a it was a once in a lifetime thing. There were some moments. There were some moments that night, particularly. Um, I got to sing um, a piece from Sweeney, and I could actually see he was like maybe four or five rows back from the stage, so I could see him from the stage. And I just remember having this moment of just thinking, "Oh my gosh!" Like I'm singing, I'm singing this stuff for the guy that wrote it, and he's just right it was just it was incredible it was incredible um yeah. so the Sharon Playhouse all that to say the Sharon Playhouse holds a very very special place in my yeah. heart um and to have a moment like that with someone like Stephen Sondheim and Jonathan Tunick I mean those are moments that uh, have, have totally changed me forever oh absolutely that yeah. night was probably a big old fever dream for you <laughs> it was a fever dream it was a fever dream um in every in every way possible and um the, the playhouse has a bar that's outside of the theater they have like this big big patio um and it's it's like beautiful um and so everybody after the concert retired out to the bar and we hung out there till like three in the morning. And I mean, Stephen Sondheim was there till like 1 a.m. Just, <laughs> just hanging out at the bar. It was like, you know, I was there talking to people and I'd look over and I'd see, oh, there's Sondheim just talking to people, yeah. you know, it's like, what, what is happening right now? <laughs> it's just That's crazy. Well, Absolutely. Steve could rally. That's good yeah. to know. Yeah. Did, you get to, the, did you get to converse with him? Like, did yes. you get to? I did, it, like, I did briefly. I mean, what do you say to um, basically like a modern day Shakespeare? Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, what, do you, what do you say? What do you say right? to him? So I remember when I got this picture taken, um, of course, I was talking to Tunic more just because I'd spent the last like week with him. Um, uh, but the first thing I said to him that I can recall is I just, I, I got very, very emotional and all I could really get out was just thank you for, for your music. I just basically said, you know, your music has shaped so much of my life and, you know, that's really about all I could get out. 
<laughs> I'm sure he got a lot of that like throughout his lifetime. Oh like, yeah, like, breaking you know down it. and crying and thanking him for his. He's talent probably he was him. probably over everybody gushing <laughs> gushing over him, but I, I he just was like I get it. I'm Stephen Sondheim enough. Yeah, yeah, but I just <laughs> I just I had to tell him, and that's all I could get out was just how much his music has touched my my life over the years. Sure. Um, that's amazing. That's got to be an amazing oh, feeling yeah. for you. Just oh. to be able to to get that out to oh. to express that, but similarly, I have a question: Did you um, have you gotten to meet Andrew Lloyd Webber? I have not, but I've been in the same room as him. So <laughs> really, are we, so are we. Yeah, we were. Um, we saw um, Bad Cinderella in previews oh, back in gosh. March. Oh, we wow. <laughs> were some of the very few that I guess could fit in a car yeah. that loved Bad. We love Bad Cinderella. It was, I love it. It was fun. And it got such a bad rap. It did. It, but but uh, is it Sir or is he, he's nice in there? He's a Sir. He's he a, a Sir. sir. So sir. sir Andrew was in the, well, first of all, there was a curtain speech, you know, but, you know, just, uh, yeah, you know, just over the, I don't know, loudspeaker, over, over the sound system. Yeah. But it paused for laughs. It, it was Andrew Lee Weber. I was like, is he here? Is Andrew Lee <laughs> Weber here? And he was. He was, Mark and I were there with a girlfriend of mine. Yeah. And the girlfriend and I were sitting together, but Mark was sitting somewhere else. <gasps> and so I didn't, I didn't really pay attention to that. Mark, like Mark is, you know, knows to pay attention to details like that. Sure. So intermission, I got up and I was like, I'm going to go get a Coke or whatever. Yeah. And I get up and my friend Robin that we were there with, Robin is a theater mom. Like her yeah. son yeah. will be on Broadway one day. Okay. And she goes, uh, that's Andrew Lloyd Webber right there. And I turned to my, as I was go, yeah. going down the aisle, going out, she's like, uh, that's Andrew Lloyd yeah, And I was Andrew like, seriously? Yeah. And she's like, oh yeah. So I go and get my Coke and I come back and I'm like, no way. And she's like, oh yeah. So, and then we, of course, after the show, we get together with Mark. He says what he just said. Yeah. We yeah. tell him the me going to get a Coke story. And sure enough, he was, yeah, yeah was he was there. there. It was amazing. Yeah, Nuts. that's insane. That's yeah. insane. We yeah. just hate, we really did. It really bothered, Mark and I took a big trip to um, New York in March, yeah. um, spread over 24 days. Mm -hmm. And we were so excited by Bad Cinderella. Mm -hmm. And we were sure. so disappointed that it got yeah. such a bad rap. Did you get to see it? I didn't. You know, it ran for like, what, a month, maybe? It was such a short. Yeah, it it was, was short, yeah, not, feel... not quite three months. Yeah. Not quite, yeah. I think like two and a half. Because originally you got a ticket with Robin. with Robin and you're like do you want to go see this because like I don't know let me do my research because yeah, I remember sure. it didn't do very well in the West End so no. I listened to it on Spotify I'm like okay I kind of like the music and then there was a, a YouTube bootleg from uh the West End I'm like this is fun mm -hmm. yeah this is cute and there was like this whole scene with like shirtless guys and you know sure, you know, sure. like shirtless hot guys so we I want to see this but no besides that it was just, it was a fun show uh -huh. yeah like the music was fun the, the music the, the scenery the costumes everything was fantastic it was great. So. and there was great energy in the theater of that, course of course there was yeah you know i'll, I'll tell everybody you everybody loved it i am a i don't i will never understand the um the bad rap that angela weber gets i i am he is my truly my favorite composer and a lot of that of course is sentimental because phantom changed my life but also i mean i'm the biggest jesus christ superstar fan you'll ever meet um, sure i love i think his best score is sunset boulevard i think it's mm -hmm. stunning um evita i've been in evita you know, I, it's like I I I love his shows, and to anyone who says that they don't like his music, I'm sorry, but the man can write a beautiful melody. He also his work is so diverse. You put superstar up against Sunset Boulevard, which is almost mm -hmm. like operatic. Come on, I mean, yeah, I can write a a, a multitude of stuff. I 100 so. agree. There's all those you know whatever haters, but look at his success. I'm like, Phantom played for 30 some years. Yeah. You know, yes. I was in high yes. school when it opened and I was in my 50s when it closed. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Come on, people. Yeah. Get over also, it. Also, I love the business side of show business too. Mm -hmm. And that man is a businessman and he's a brilliant mm -hmm. businessman. Absolutely. And that's why he's one of the richest people in the world is because mm -hmm. the guy is a businessman. He gets yeah. it. 
So he, don't, don't our, get me started. I'll get off my Weber. So yeah, it's, but it's I, all good. <laughs> we, we, we're listen, in agreement. Yeah, you listen to this podcast. We never stand like one direct road. We kind of go all over the place. Yeah, so, we, yeah. Uh, we we are big fans of his as well. As a matter of fact, we, in the, the podcast that's out right now, mm-hmm. we reviewed um, MJ, the musical, you know, that just came yes. through. Yes. And, and we talked about, we referenced two articles about the state of Broadway right now. And in one of the articles, Andrew Lloyd Webber was interviewed and he said, Broadway, New York now, it's just, it's all about, it's a, he didn't use the word the cosmetic, but it's vanity. He said, it's it's all vanity. And he said, if you're, if anybody's gonna put money and time and resources into musical theater do it in the west end Mm -hmm. that that's what he said i mean so um that so we're right there with you yeah yeah i get it yeah yeah so changing uh focus a little bit so i know that you performed everywhere in the metroplex cleta humphreys and water tower yeah and i'm I'm not going to ask you what your favorite theater to work with is because it's a little shady um but what's but what's your favorite venue to work in like like because yeah. there, there's so many different venues here what's your favorite yes um uh in terms of history in terms of um just what it means to me personally the majestic it's where i got my start literally okay. where i got my start um but i mean it's the you know that street in dallas uh elm street it used to be a theater district. I mean, there were a ton. If you go and look at old pictures, there were so mm-hmm. many old theaters there. And the only one that's left is the Majestic. And so it's part of a, it, it's a, it's a time piece. It's a history piece. I view it as like a museum almost. When you go inside there, you feel like you're in New York or something like mm-hmm. that. The lobby feels like an mm-hmm. old New York Absolutely. Theater. It actually feels like the Majestic Theater in New York. When you went mm-hmm. to see Phantom, it's it, very similar feelings. Um, so I love the Majestic. I love being in there. Um, I love the Kalita. Talk about an odd place, um, mm-hmm. but what a cool place too. Um, the fact that it's a Frank Lloyd Wright building mm-hmm. is amazing. Um, and I'll get on my soapbox again briefly to say that the city of Dallas needs to step up in terms of um, what they're letting happen to that theater. They're letting mm-hmm. it fall apart. And Agreed. Um, if there's anything I could do, I, I would do it because yes, it's a landmark, but oh my gosh, if you go and see a show there, you'll see in five seconds that it's in disrepair and it needs love and it needs to be, um, we cannot let that theater go. We just, mm-hmm. we can't, we can't. Yeah. And so, um, I love that place. Obviously it's played an important part in my life, but I also love attending shows there it's one of those places where you know even the back row you're never far from the action that's true yeah i was gonna say there's not a bad seat in the house and if anybody knows me they know i do not do the back row i don't but the back row is actually perfect because it's such a small intimate theater Mm -hmm. there's just not a bad seat in the house there's not even up i don't know you might disagree with me even up on the bal- on the balcony Balcony's i mean great. even it's an unusual i actually had a ticket I've for a show the other day never and even been on the balcony you know, there. It's a, it's, oh you need to go up there yeah <laughs> it's a, it's it's an unusual perch it's a okay. good seat because usually it's not even available i don't think or what is it yeah, yeah oh. they don't they i mean up, i know uptown opens it because we mm-hmm. sold out a majority of Kinky Boots. And so okay. we had people in the balcony for every performance. And, okay, gotcha. Um, but it's only like three rows. It's a very tiny balcony. Oh, okay. But in true Frank Lloyd Wright fashion, it's just weird. You need to go up yeah. there sometime. And like, okay, I'll, I'll check it's it out. weird. It's a small um, theater. I'd be, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'd be okay in the balcony there. It's just like, a, like I'm okay in a Broadway theater, front row mezzanine. I'll bring yeah. you a paper bag in case you hyperventilate. Exactly. Yeah, and also if it's like if it's if it's a claustrophobia thing, it's really easy to get out of the balcony because there's exits mm-hmm. on both sides. Um, oh, good. But also, what's cool is at least at the Kalita's balcony, you're not far from the action, but also you can see, you have a good vantage point for like the sake of choreography and things like that. Sometimes mm. it's cool to see that stuff from 
you know. Yeah, like, oh, that's correct. Oh, yeah. and it's not, um, Max, it's not claustrophobia. He just, <laughs> he just, ha- he has a rule. It, if I'm, if he's not within the first three rows, yeah. he, he's out. Yeah. So, and, and not, cla- not claustrophobia related at all. I love it. Well, you said paper bag, so I didn't know if it was that. <laughs> Right in the action, I don't enjoy it. Yeah, you, you, he, he wants to know what that character's dress is made of. Yeah, and yeah. he wants to be able to have the sweat from that hot guy. Well, uh, you know, I was about to say, you want to be able to smell the actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. I was front row for Music Man. I, Hugh Jackman's sweat, like right yeah, there. Uh, now that's Rami Caramel and those abs, that's like really right there. <laughs> yeah, it was that's amazing. That's amazing. I am in the corner right. with you. And even That's last amazing. night for the chair show, I was in the front row. Yeah. And you could see the definition of the muscles on the abs on, on Sunny and a lot of the little chorus boys. So it's worth it. But you, do miss, but you do miss the vantage point of the effects and of, you know, a lot of the choreography. And I get that. But yeah. I'm willing to, you know, go that. There are some shows that are just in terms of like, so for example, uh, uh, Harry Potter on broadway yes if you sit too close to harry potter on broadway it can spoil some of the effects and so that was one of those shows where i wasn't too far back i think i was in like the fifth or sixth row it was like just far enough back where i couldn't see how the effects were done but close enough mm-hmm. you know to be able to feel like i was immersed in sure i bet I've been on the, for that show, you know, I ran into you yesterday, of course. Yeah. Um, and when you were getting your hair cut by our friend, Michael Moore. Yes. And shout we out talked Michael about Moore. Harry Potter and uh, well, my favorite play, of course. But, you know, I've been on the second row and I've been also, like, I move around. Sure. I, I actually went up to the balcony, far balcony uh, one night just to see what it was like there. But yeah, definitely in that show, yeah. they're definitely some vantage points where you're like, okay, this feels like a bit of a different show sitting here. Yeah. Now I have a question for you. Another question for you yeah. about Kalita. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Is you, you've mentioned of course that you were Charlie in um, kinky boots. Mm-hmm. And that was, um, I know I, we didn't see it together, yeah, but, but I really did see it. Yeah. We both saw it. It was um, summer of last year, 2022. Yep. And so it's summer of 2022 and Everything has opened back up, right, from COVID. In 2021, you couldn't really say that, but 2022, you could. And um, I came across an interview last night that you had done where you talked about, um, obviously, the the difficulties, big difficulties of being an actor, being in musical theater, and your world, your career shutting down for that period and not not knowing at all when it would open up. I was a catering director for a restaurant. We knew at some point we would open up. Maybe it wouldn't be for a month or two or whatever, or a few weeks or 100%. But we knew we would open up. But yeah. you were sitting in a different chair of, will this open up? So yeah. what did it feel like coming back to Kalita, which has such a strong tie to your heart, yeah. coming out of the difficulties of COVID, how did, and you're in this uh, lead role. How did that, that feel? Uh, that oh my gosh. Oh man. Um, what a great, first of all, what a great question. Um, it was, it was overwhelming in a, in a multitude of ways. So for one, um, Kinky Boots was a big risk for me. Um, coming out of COVID. So when I, when the, when the shutdown happened, I had some like amazing, amazing work lined up, amazing stuff lined up. I lost some really, really incredible gigs. I can't even talk about it because I just, uh, it's, it's, it's too hard. Um, But I had some really, really wonderful stuff lined up and that was all taken away. And, you know, I spent a year sitting around going, okay, well, first of all, when is this going to end? How are we going to get back into this? How are we going to ease back into are the audiences going to show back up? Um, and then more importantly than that, do I even, do I even want to keep doing this anymore? You know, wow. because so truly, 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 wow. because, because um, for one, I was thinking about, okay, well, now we're also hyper-focused on, on who's sick and who's getting sick and who's, you know, and staying well and all that. It's like, do I want to keep that kind of pressure in my life forever? 
you know, like when I'm in a show, do I, you know, in terms of staying well and things like that, um, and the what if, am I going to get COVID today? Am I going to wake up sick tomorrow? Um, that, but also I started dealing with stage fright for the very first time in my life because of this. So everything's taken away suddenly overnight. <clears throat> the following summer, this would have been summer of 2021, um, I was asked to sing in a wedding <clears throat> and obviously everything's still like, we're still in that phase where there's, you know, required social distancing and masks and all that stuff. And so going into that performance, I think all of the protocols, all of the, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't touch each other, you can't, um, all this stuff. And then being in front of an audience again for the first time in a year and a half, it was totally crippling for me. It was literally just singing one song at a wedding, which I've done a million times. But for some reason, this was like a perfect storm. And I just, it scared the mess out of me. Like really, really freaked me out. And I got super, super in my head. And so from that moment, which was what, August of 2021, I did a little Christmas show at a church. I was hired to do a Christmas show that Christmas. Um, and I was able to get through it okay, but I was dealing with nerves that I just had not dealt with before on stage. And it really, really scared me. And I didn't know like how to make it stop. <laughs> um, and um then after that Christmas show, I ended up getting COVID for the very first time. I had made it all the way from March of 2020 until December of 2021 without getting mm. sick. And so um, I got sick and I got really sick. And so then I was like, okay, well, gosh, if this is the way it's going to be every time I do a show, like, do I really want to keep doing this? Well, then Kinky Boots comes around the corner and I decide, you know, to to, to put myself out there and go for it. And I was of course terrified <clears throat> to audition, even though I've worked with the wonderful Uptown Players folks, they've known me for um, forever. I was, I was nervous to, to do that. I was nervous to uh, put myself out there like that again. Um, but also in the last 10 years, I've really been kind of pigeonholed into um, legit lyric tenor musicals, classical works, because my voice, that's more of my natural singing voice. I have a degree in opera from SMU. So I have a, like an opera background. Um, and so I didn't think also, apart from the fear that I was feeling about the world and the stage fright and all that stuff, I didn't really think, you know, would I be taken seriously going out for, um, a Cindy Lauper musical, <laughs> honestly. Um, and so I just decided to, to put that, that fear. I just, I channeled it, um, ended up of course getting the role. And what was so wonderful about that. So back to your original question about being back at the Kalita, what was so wonderful about that is that Charlie Price met me where I was at that point in my life. Charlie Price was dealing, deals with the same things that Max was dealing with at that moment. And so I was able to channel the real things that I was feeling, the fear, the uncertainty of the world and all that stuff. I was able to channel those emotions into him. And it helped me get through the stage fright that I was dealing with. That coupled with the wonderful relationship I have offstage and on stage, but offstage with Lee Walter, who was my Lola. Um, Lee was a rock for me and we were kind of rocks for each other. Um, and so, uh, so walking into that rehearsal for the very first time with all those people after the shutdown, it was very, very emotional for all of us. I remember us all being in tears that night. Um, it was just, it was like, wow, we're really, 
we're, we're, we're really doing this. I guess we're doing it, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. But you did. Yeah, absolutely. You did. That's it. Um, that's like yeah. really amazing. Yeah. Like that's a long, it's an awful lot to go through. Yeah, that's a it lot is. To go through. Absolutely. Well, we're glad you got through it and yeah. gave us Charlie Price because that was such a great performance. Yes. And that show was so much fun. Mm-hmm. It was I a really beautiful production. Really that so and much. I also have to say, apart from Lee, I also have to shout out, um, John De Los Santos, our wonderful director, and mm-hmm. Vonda Bowling, our incredible mm-hmm. musical director, uh, they also were my emotional support system. <laughs> oh, great. That's all. <laughs> Dealing and, with all of that. Yeah. And it's important to have that support system and that family, especially in the theater. So yeah, I love yeah. that. So going back to uh, March of 2020, yeah. were you working on a, were you in rehearsals or in the middle of performances during right before shutdown? Yes. Um, yes, I was, mm. um, I was doing a show. I was rehearsing a show here, uh, mm-hmm. locally and, um, yeah, it, that was such a weird, that was such a weird, weird time. You know, it was like just not knowing what was going to happen and, mm-hmm. and, all of that fear and uncertainty. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I can't, uh, the arts, you know, I know every industry was impacted by by COVID, but the arts were especially hard hit. Mm-hmm. And for those of us who that was our primary, you know, living, um, that was scary. That was some scary mm-hmm. stuff. And to literally have it just ripped away overnight like that. I mean, coming home from rehearsal and then getting a call the next day that you're not coming back to rehearsal and you don't mm-hmm. know when you're going to be back at rehearsal. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. Just mm-hmm. weird. Um, but I'm, and there's, know, nothing I, you can do. No. there's nothing, there's nothing you can do. You can't, it's completely a hundred percent out of your hands. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, yeah. Yeah, it, it was weird. And, and um, I did a, uh, I did a little four day workshop of a new musical um, at Water Tower um, in October of 2020. Um, and that was the wildest thing in the world, because we all were like, we were in two masks and face shields mm-hmm. and we were you know six feet apart from each other on the water tower stage and it was like you're in the room with people you've known for for me most of these people I've known my whole life I can't touch them I can't hug them I haven't seen them in months and now I'm in the room with them but I can't even like interact with them it was just it was so emotionally devastating to, to be that, you know, that close to people that you love. And it's like, you can't, you sure. can't even. Yeah. And so that whole time was just so weird. And I'm still dealing with, you know, the personal, some of the personal struggles from that. Cause it was just such a shocking and sudden thing. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Yeah. And we didn't know how long it was going to be, you know, we were, yeah, I worked in an office and they said, grab your laptops, you're going to work home for a few weeks. Little do we know, yeah. the, the uncertainty was, yeah, it, it was it, it was unsettling. It was a terrible time for everybody, especially people in the arts. Yeah, yeah. and as someone who, like I said earlier, loves the business side of show business. Sure. Man, I was following that stuff closely. Just how, you know, when New York first, when Broadway first opened back up, like, okay, how how feasible is all of this? How sustainable is all of this? And I think also part of my fears and my questions about wanting to do this forever or wanting to keep doing this, it's like, you know, I can't, is the feeling that I can't, you know, fully put my chips all on this anymore because we've demonstrated that we can shut this whole thing down like that. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's a, such a weird time to be in the arts. It really, really is. Um, and so I'm grateful uh, for the opportunities that I've had post COVID because uh, it makes me, I've, I've, it's totally changed how I approach doing a show. It's like every one of these things is such a blessing and it's just not promised. None of it is promised. 
Um, sure. And so each of these little opportunities that come along, I, I'm just, it is totally reframed my thought process. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so are you currently working on another, another project? What can we see you in next? Um, I do have something in the pipeline. I'm not allowed to talk about it yet though, which I had a feeling that makes me say very, that. very sad. However, <laughs> it will be a summer musical next summer. So I will okay. just, uh, I will drop that, uh, tidbit Great. out there. But I want to, um, the, your, the latest production that we saw you in, and by the way, um, I'm, I already mentioned that I saw you in Kinky Boots, but I, when I saw it a year and a half ago, I didn't know who you were and I'd not sure. seen you in Chaplin yet. And sure. you, I loved how you portrayed mm-hmm. Charlie Price. You were, I walked away from Kinky Boots and you were my yeah. favorite character. Yeah. And you. I'd never seen Kinky Boots yeah. before. Isn't it a great really, show? It's just I'm, a wonderful show. It's, but it's you just, were, it's your portrayal yeah. of Charlie Price, I, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And leading into speaking of another Charlie. Chaplin. Oh, we loved you we and did, Chaplin. We, did. we saw it, we saw it separately. We you did. saw it before I did. I did. And we and he texted me that night. And I was, was like, like, you have to it's, see it. It's amazing. Yeah. And I saw it. I think I saw the final show. Oh. And you you were not sorry it's gushing but you were breathtaking well and that was god that was such a great show a it was a great show and b you were so phenomenal in it and c also i loved um the older brother Mm -hmm. oh duke isn't he amazing yeah yeah and i love i like the chemistry that y'all had it was just a really enjoyable show I'd never seen Chaplin before, and I didn't know the whole story. Very few people had seen Chaplin before. It had yeah. such a short run on Broadway. It, it did have a short run on Broadway. I've listened to the CD a few times prior, and I, I did enjoy the music. Um, but I went in really not knowing if I would have an enjoyable night at the theater, but I obviously really did. What was it? What kind of research, and how did you prepare for that role? Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, you, you went from his role to, you know, as basically like as a young adult all the way to you know as an old man yeah and yeah. how did you how did you prepare for that yeah so thankfully um i had six months to prepare for the role <clears throat> oh wow that's not that's uh, unusual which is yeah which is um I, I normally i don't like that length of time but for this particular situation i was super grateful for it mm-hmm. because um, there was so much to research. There's so much to do. Um, so the very first thing I did was I plowed my way through the majority of his movies because I just wanted to watch, um, I wanted to watch all of his stuff. I had seen a few of his films, um, but I hadn't seen most of them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, obviously in reading the script, I paid extra close attention to The Great Dictator, to City Lights, to The Kid. Um, But I I watched most of his films. Um, Then I read um, his autobiography, which is great. And then I also read his biography, which is absolutely fascinating because the biographer actually sat with Charlie while he was still alive and interviewed him. And they ended up making the Robert Downey Jr. film based off of the biography. That this guy wrote so if you've ever seen the movie chaplain if you've never seen it i highly recommend it it's incredible um but uh so i read those two books um and then i just started kind of playing around started playing around with the physicality started playing around with uh um you know various things that i'd read about in his in his book um and then um the rest is history. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, thankfully with, a, with playing a, with a, playing a movie star, um, you, you're able to watch a lot of stuff. And so it, it was so helpful to be able to watch him. Um, and what was great was from the moment that I got the role, um, I was told from the very beginning, we're not looking for an impression here. We're looking for what Max's Charlie. Right. Um, and so that took a lot of pressure off for me because how, how do you play one of the, um, most famous men that's ever lived? It, it's a lot, it's a lot to, uh, to take on. Um, and so 
that's where my that's where my research started. And then I got to work with our choreographer before we started rehearsals, just one on one, because I needed a second set of eyes to start watching me. Sure. So, great. The yeah. orchestra was great too. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Vonda's really, yeah. orchestra. Everything was phenomenal about that production. For sure. So we could talk to you for hours yeah. about theater and your life and everything, but we do have to wrap this up, unfortunately. <laughs> That's great. Uh, but before we do, we have some rapid fire questions and they're okay. never really rapid, but let's we try. Let's, we, we try. Okay. Uh, so uh, Max, what was your first audition song? first audition song oh my gosh what a great question I don't remember what my first audition song was um I want to say that it was probably the music of the night okay go back to the phantom mm -hmm. I, that totally makes sense absolutely yeah I think so okay actually you know what it was probably Gary Indiana because they made me sing uh -huh. it oh yeah uh, when I got cast as Winthrop so Winthrop, actually yeah. I'm gonna say Gary Indiana Okay, great. <laughs> awesome. I like, yeah. yeah. I like and what, what was your last audition song? What did you, your last audition, what did you use? For Chaplin, I used a song called The Lives of Me. It is written by Peter Allen and it is the opening number of the musical The Boy from Oz. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, and great. it kind of fits, if you, if you read the lyrics of the song, it really kind of fits the, a man looking back on his life. Okay. Love mm -hmm. it. Um, what was the first musical that you saw on Broadway? Phantom of the Opera. So you saw, so you saw it in Fort Worth at Bass Performance, and then you went and you saw it on Broadway. Awesome. Gotcha. What was the last musical you saw on Broadway? The last musical I saw on Broadway was the Phantom of the Opera. I saw it a huh? week. I saw it a week before it closed. Okay. I had to go. Okay. I had to go one final time, and I sat directly. Exactly what I did too. Yeah, we saw it in March as like. I, we need to go see it. Well, yeah. we, we didn't say farewell to this amazing show. And I sat, I sat trail. next to, I sat next to the husband of the man who was playing the Phantom, and I sat directly behind Mario Cantone. Oh wow, that is so cool. <laughs> Which oh. was super random. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you have any pre-show rituals? Pre-show rituals. Um, I warm up like crazy. I stretch like crazy. Um, I pray. Um, and I just try to, um, get my mind and my heart opened to whatever's going to happen. I love that. Yeah. Okay. I have a, I have a question that it's actually not on our list, but I'm curious. What's your yeah. favorite podcast? My favorite podcast, <laughs> apart from yours, um, my favorite podcast. Oh my gosh. Um, oh shoot. I'm drawing a blank right now. I'm a huge movie nerd. And so I listen to a lot of movie uh podcast uh i think it's the one called how did this get made or something like that okay um it's all about like bad movies oh, and like fun. the history of like how they got made and stuff like that um but i mainly i i'm not a huge podcast listener i mainly sure. listen to me i'm a huge music lover so i listen to yeah all kinds of music I'll tell you my favorite podcast. It's a new one that's about the star. It's called Max and Lila Love Broadway. Oh, I so, see. I see where this is going. So oh, no. I'm excited about, about that one. Yeah. So and lastly, what is your advice to any aspiring actors out there? Oh, gosh. My advice to aspiring actors is um, always remember where you came from. Um be the best human that you can be. This business is full of ego and is full of um, a lot of self-centered behavior. And it seems like it's getting more prevalent these days. And so um, my advice is just to be as collaborative and as kind and as friendly as possible. And the most important thing in the world, what my parents taught me from a very, very young age is that Showing up on time is 90% of your success. Show up on time, be prepared, and people will want to work with you again. So All right. that's my two cents. I love that. That's awesome. Well, Max, thank you so much for spending the afternoon with us today, talking about your career and um, everything else. It was a blast. Um, where can our uh, listeners follow you? 
Yes, um, my website, www.maxjswarner.com. Um, I also have a YouTube channel where I've got clips of my work and things like that. And uh, if anybody ever has questions or wants to hit me up on social media, I'm there too. All right. right. And we look forward to the show that you um, kind of teased us with for next summer. For the summer yeah. musical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We're excited for that. Absolutely. All right. Great, Max. Thank you so much. You, you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. All Thanks. right. Have a Bye-bye. great day. Bye, y'all. Bye.